When it comes to writing, I've never won anything. By anything, I mean, well, literally, not a thing. I've never been the best this or the top that. I've never had a book of the year or an article of the month. Once, as a young Tennessean writer, someone gave me a mug with a newspaper logo on it. But I'm pretty sure that's because I was thirsty. Anyhow, if you haven't been paying attention, over the past five weeks, I've teamed up with a slew of tremendous writers, author Jonathan Eig, Pulitzer winner David Marinus, Evan F. Moore from the Chicago Sun-Times, Mirren Fader of Bleacher Report, Candace Buckner from the Washington Post, to hold a high school and college writing contest called the Big Scribble. It was a week-by-week jousting, with assignments ranging from a food review to a hair assessment to an obituary for either Mikhail Gorbachev, Mariah Carey, Jonathan Lipnicki, or Bip Roberts. Yeah, don't ask. And today, after narrowing down 409 entrants, we announced a winner. And he's really freaking good. My name is Jeff Perlman. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of nine books and the host of Two Writers Slinging Yang, a podcast where one writer, me, talks writing with another writer every single week. Today's special episode features Zeke Warren Weigman, St. Olaf College Jr., and winner of the first ever Big Scribble. This is episode number 157. Let's sling some yang. Dad, being quarantined sucks, and so does your podcast. All right, Zeke, so um, first time we've, we've met face-to-face. You are the first, as you know, as a aspiring journalist, you would never say first annual because there is no such thing as first annual. But you are the first uh, Big Scribble champion. It's a writing contest. I started with Jonathan Eig and a bunch of other writers. You just found out about an hour ago that you won. Um, I don't know. I, I'll be lame and ask, like, did you, did you kind of wake up today thinking I have a shot of winning on my witnessing? Absolutely not. Honestly. Oh, honestly. Oh, there's a cat. Sorry. Um, no, I have, I, I, I had a, I had, I had my two favorites. I had Joe out of Texas and then, um, I believe it was Hannah out of UNC. Yeah. I thought, I thought they were going to be the top two. I was, a. Uh, I was I was trying to decide between them, but uh, yeah, I, I I had I had no expectations of winning. To be completely honest with you, I I wrote for for the, for the last piece. I on Wednesday night I finished my 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 piece. I, I finished it and I read it through and I said, you know, I just don't think this is going to do it. I don't really like it. I don't think it really answers the question. So I totally rewrote. I wrote a completely different piece. I included nothing of, of my original piece. I included maybe one line from my other piece. I just completely rewrote it in about three hours. So it was just, yeah, it was a, a, it was a, a late Wednesday night for me. Well, I just want you to know, like, well, I mean, I've written a million things mm-hmm. and I know they suck. I know they suck. I know they suck. This is the worst. <laughs> God, this sucks. This is the worst thing ever. Blah, 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 blah. And then you write it and people say, oh, that was really great. And you're like, oh. Really? Was it? I didn't. Oh, and then you start <laughs> believing it was great. And then you, it's great. Yeah. So, you know, you did well. Um, let me ask you first. All right. So, um, mm-hmm. how did you even, I, I am, I, I want to get into your, your aspiring career and your college life yeah. and et cetera, but I am interested. Like, so we started this contest as just a, a lark. Honestly, mm-hmm. it entered my head one day. I called Jonathan. I, I said, I don't know. What do you think? And he said, yeah, let's do it. And then we just started adding people. Um, how'd you find out about it and why'd you do it? Uh, I found out about it through my dad. Actually, he sent me a, a message on Facebook. 
because he he's he's a he knows Jonathan Ike. He's a friend with Jonathan Ike. So he said like, "Hey, check this out. This might be something you'd enjoy." And I was like, "Huh? You know, that is kind. Of, that looks kind of cool. I might I might do that. Um, just something to uh to hone my 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 writing a little bit, get some professional critique, and then just something to pass the time over quarantine. Really, because like I had classes, but at this point, classes are just so." incredibly dull that I just was doing the, the, the least possible to, to get good grades in that. So, um, so yeah, that, that's honestly why I did it. And to be completely honest with you, reading through the judges, I thought it was going to be a little bit more sports based than it was yeah. because like all the judges have sports backgrounds. So, yeah. We yeah. tried very hard to not go too hard sports. Like it's not a sports yeah. contest. It was a writing contest. So we tried yeah. very hard to steer away from that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So wait, so your dad, obviously your dad, uh, Mark Warren, long time, mm-hmm. used to be an Esquire guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he's at Random House as an editor. Um, yeah. What is his impact on your uh, writing and your aspiring career as a journalist? Um, you know, he really taught me how to write. Um, he, he, he taught me a lot of what I know about how to you know, I think I think something that's common and something a critique that you gave us uh, throughout the contest was sort of like the the tendency to use too many adjectives in uh, in writing, and he sort of uh, metaphorically beat that out of me um, uh, in in high school, where I, I would just use pages upon pages worth of adjectives in my high school papers thinking that it was like the way to write and thinking that it sounded good because I used all these big words um and he just he he taught me like no if 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 you get your your point across the simplest way possible while it's still enjoyable to read and it's still professional that's the best way to do it um and he 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 had I I can't overstate the impact that he had just on on my writing in general and even uh, even over the the even in college, um, he's really helped me sort of uh, hone my hone my writing, especially when I moved into a a, a magazine, uh, not a magazine, a newspaper space with uh, with the Manitou Messenger, uh, which is uh, my school, Saint Olaf College's uh, newspaper. Um, he he's just he's he's really helped me sort of uh, solidify and then improve my writing. So does it come with any, um, it sounds like a cliche question, does it come with any pressure having a really, really good established writer as a dad and writing and having him read it? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, like, because cause I want to, I want to, I, I, I want to live up to him, you know? I, I want to, like, think that, uh, I, I want him to think that all of his, teaching hasn't been in vain essentially that I've actually been learning things but at the same time he's been really great about making it clear that hey just because I'm some big shot even though I'm he would never say that because he doesn't consider himself a big shot um he there was never any pressure for me or my sister to like become journalists or even go into pub publishing or magazines or anything like that like for the longest time I thought I was going to be a history professor um and I, I know my my sister who's who's 16 and just looking at colleges now really wants to go into acting so there's absolutely no pressure on us from from that in that sense so the the thing that makes you surprising I think that you sit here as the winner is um Northwestern we had a ton of kids from Missouri we had a ton of kids from Syracuse we had a ton of kids from North Carolina we had a bunch of kids from St. Olaf College, um, <laughs> undergrad population, a hair over 3,000, 
Yep. I looked at the famous alum. There aren't many I've heard of. You know, it's like um, one person who wrote to me, just reached out to me now, is Katie Barnes of ESPN, who also went to St. Olaf uh -huh. yeah. and was thrilled that you won, like giddy beyond yeah. giddy that you won. Um, you have I no have journalism major. Yeah. No journalism major, right? No. Uh, the closest thing is a media studies concentration. So what are yeah. you doing there? You know, you're from New um, York. I need to say I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm from New York City, so I shouldn't be here. I, I should. I mean, I'm, I'm in St. Paul right now, sheltering with with a, a friend of mine and her family. Um, uh, you know, I came out to the Midwest touring some schools sort of on a whim. Um, and then I just sort of fell in love with with St. Olaf when I came and, and toured. I mean, it's kind of insane because. We took like an early morning flight out here over like Columbus Day weekend, and I I was walking around the campus on basically three hours of sleep, and just I was just overwhelmed by how amazing, like how beautiful the campus was, and how nice the people were, how accepting the people were. Um, it was it was kind of surreal to an extent, and I mean I always knew I wanted to go to a small liberal arts college, um, and you know Saint Olaf they also gave me a decent amount of money to come there, even though the, the tuition, the tuition's pretty high. I mean, for college, but n not much higher than a, than a typical liberal arts college. So yeah, I mean, if, 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 if they did, I'm a history major. Um, if they did have a journalism major, I probably would have switched by now, but um, I decided to just stick it out with history because I'm a big fan of history. I love incorporating historical research and writing into my, into my pieces that I wrote for, I write for the, uh, the, uh, the, the management messenger. Um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you, is it, is it hard to be this into writing and this into journalism? Um, you know, like I would say like a lot of the other contestants mm -hmm. definitely had a polish you don't have. Like there is a polish you get going to a Northwestern or going to a Syracuse because your work is constantly polished and constantly polished. I think part of what I liked about yours actually is the lack of polish, mm -hmm. but there's something to be said for having, 12 different journalism professors, one who worked here and one who worked there and one who worked there. And you have almost none of that. Do you feel like you lose anything from not having that? Um, I mean, I think th th there's definitely something to be said for, uh, for, uh, for these big journalism programs. I mean, I have a couple friends who go to these big journalism programs and they love it and they, they, they rave about all they, all they get out of it. But, you know, I feel like I have a, I have a, I have a unique voice in, in, in my writing. I, I growing up in New York City um, and being a, a, a diehard and very sad Giants and Knicks fan, uh, especially in my sports writing, I have a very cynical look on, on the world that I think uh, uh, sort of provides a, a certain amount of, of, of dry humor and a, a, well, a lot of uh, analytics uh, to, the, to an extent that might be sort of hammered out of you at, at one of these uh, – at one of these big journalism programs. And I, I and I, I can't thank the Manitou Messenger enough and the editors uh, that have given me so much freedom um, uh, to, to really write in my own voice. Um, they gave me my own column, um, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, not the column, I'm just saying <laughs> the, 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 the opportunity. Um, and I mean, and I think it's just, it's, it's something to be said for liberal arts education because you really learn how to write, especially as a history major, you really learn how to write. They, 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 they teach you the fundamentals of writing and writing is just applicable in any field. And it just so happens that I have, that I'm interested in journalism. So yeah. 
Yeah, yeah well said. Um, I just want to say, so the way we did this this contest for people who are listening is we had um, we had five weeks. We had a different assignment every week, and we would uh, whittle down the field until this week we were down to the top ten, and then Zeke won the whole thing. And there was one assignment that uh, put you on the map to me, and I, maybe I was judging you this week. I don't remember because there would be weeks where you wouldn't read someone's work, and then the next week you'd see someone else. So you had to do a food review. Yeah, I read, I reviewed this one. You had to do a food yeah. review, and I thought you won this. I just thought you won this, and I. I was raving about this. I just want to read a little bit real quick what you wrote. Um, our assignment was, because we're all in a pandemic, is write a review of some kind of food you have access to. Don't put yourself in danger, so don't go out for a meal. You know, it could be anything. And it ranged from people writing about, you know, potato mix to their mom's pot roast to a million different things. And this is what Zeke wrote. For years, we've been told to avoid convenience store sushi. You'll get indigestion, they said. You'll get a giant tapeworm. You'll have to get something amputated. In Minnesota, thousands of miles from an ocean, we reject this fear-mongering. And so, with a hankering for some raw fish, we made our way to Tim and Tom's Speedy, Speedy Market on Como Avenue in St. Paul and went straight for the fridge by the checkout. Then you put in parentheses, in addition to meeting all your landlocked sushi needs, Tim and Tom's is also not shuttered these days, which is a plus. You really cannot go wrong with a spicy tuna roll. The simple yet delicious combination of steamed rice, seaweed, raw tuna, and avocado topped with a dollop of sriracha sauce has never once let me down. And yet, as it sat on my kitchen counter, this roll just looked wrong. Instead of making up a soft and sticky outer shell, the rice looked hard and stale. The avocado had started to brown, looking as if it had slithered into the roll and died. The only part of the roll that looked as if it should was the fish, with the raw tuna still possessing its bright fatty sheen and scarlet coloring. The finishing work was a mess, the distribution of the sriracha having been utterly botched, with a single snaking white line where evenly distributed dabs should have been leaving half the pieces sodden and half of them dry. This roll was daring me to eat it. And then you ended it a few, few paragraphs later. It was disgusting and I loved it. Tomorrow I'm trying the eel. I fucking loved it. This is maybe my single favorite piece of writing of anyone from the entire contest. And I read hundreds and hundreds of things in this yeah. thing. Um, I'm kind of interested. Why did you decide to write about the spicy tuna roll at a quick, you know, quick mark? And uh, what was your kind of approach to writing it? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I adore sushi. It's probably my favorite food and I am absolutely spoiled by Manhattan sushi. Like even the worst sushi in Manhattan is exquisite. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, when I came out here to Minnesota, it just, it wasn't the same. (laughs) Even, even the best sushi was just subpar. And I, I, but I, I, I love this stuff. So I had to keep having it. So there's there, you could buy some at the, at the cafe at my school. And then when I came here, I realized, Oh, in the little convenience store, they sell the same brand of sushi that they have at my school, which I think is more of a commentary on my school than anything. (laughs) So, Yeah. yeah. So I figured, you know, I could do like a, a review of like, craft mac and cheese or a review of like some like BLT that I had that I had the other day but I, f- I felt like I've been eating so much of this sushi it's sort it's so out of left field sort of like something like that it's it's something that I didn't think that a lot of other people would do um and that's sort of why I chose it I I, I want it to be a little bit original um and in terms of my my process, you know, I I have a I have way too many pictures of a spicy tuna roll on my phone that I'm willing to admit. Yeah. <laughs> I took a bunch of pictures because I thought I would end up describing like the packaging, but I had to cut that part because word count. Um, but uh, 
yeah, I just, I sort of, I, I, I ate it. I, I, it's actually a lot better than I make it sound <laughs> in, in my review. Right. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah. It's fun uh, piling on. It is always yeah. fun piling on. Yeah, it is. And um, I figured, why not? I mean, this, it's not like I'm going to be sued for libel or something like that. So I also, my favorite line, actually, it's so simple. And, uh, I talked about this, I think with Jonathan mm-hmm. is, um, you wrote this role just looked wrong. Like, <laughs> It's five words, you know, this role just looked wrong, but it's, mm-hmm. it's just perfect. It encompasses something instead of going into a million adjectives like we discussed or, you know, you, and everything you did, it reminds me of one of my favorite reviews ever was um, the late Roger Ebert did a review of Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. And it was basically, you ever see that movie? Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> that movie is just wrong. And yeah. <laughs> he just basically listed the reasons a movie sucked. Ba-ba, yeah. ba-ba, 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 ba-ba. And I feel like a lot of times it is perfectly okay, like you did here, to just go ba 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 ba. The 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 seaweed was this, and the color was this, and the blah blah blah. You don't have to. If you just lay it out there, you actually don't have to sell me. You know, you yeah. just sold me by laying it out there. Yeah, it was, re- it was really really good, really okay. really good. Before we continue with two writers slinging Yang, a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, this is Jeff Perlman. And I'm here with my son Emmett, who's cherishing his time spent with me during the pandemic. I hate you, and I hope you choke on your vomit. That seems harsh. I mean it. Seriously? If you choke on your vomit, I inherit all your 503 sports jerseys, including that awesome new Pearl Washington Nets dandy that's hanging in your closet. I mean, we can probably just go to 503-sports.com and order you one. That's the less desirable option. Yeah, so, all right, so the the, the final assignment that you guys had to do, the big championship round, was um, you had to write a, 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 we called it an opinion piece. Um, related to sort of affection during the pandemic. And mm-hmm. we said, use a, the New York Times um, op-ed page or the style section. And we had a debate. I asked you first, mm-hmm. was our assignment too confusing? You know, it wasn't too confusing until I watched the video on your YouTube account. Oh, you watched with, it? Uh, I did. I watched it. I watched it through yeah. multiple times. And I was just trying to figure out Exactly, because I, I, I sort of had an idea of what I was going to do, and I had an idea of how I was going to begin it, and things like that. And then, and then I'm, I'm sorry, I don't remember her name, but she said, like, this is how you do it. This is exactly how you should write your first 150 words, and things like that. So I was like, oh, okay, I need to change things. I need to, I need to make it match what they want. And then I, I, ended up, I ended up talking to my dad about it, and he said, you know, as much as I respect uh, her, her professional credentials and her opinion on it, I feel like in an opinion piece, you should have a lot more freedom. So I ended up taking my dad's advice and just sort of uh, starting immediately with narrative instead of sort of laying out this argument. Because I think another good point my dad made is that, and, and that the, 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 uh, the, the woman in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the YouTube video uh, made was that she, she argued that op-eds had to be an argument and my dad really disagreed with that. He didn't think that op-eds had to necessarily be an argument. They could instead they could instead just tell a story, and that's sort of what I did in my in my piece. So, if my dad were the former executive editor of Esquire, I would listen to him too. Yeah, I fi- I figured that as as, as much. So yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so you wrote I you I I want to go through this a little bit. You wrote um, you started when the plague came. Uh, when the plague came, I saw refuge with strangers, and the strangers took me in. It's been 64 days, 64 days since the president of my school sent an email to all students at 947 on Tuesday morning 
telling us to return home now. Flee, save yourselves. The end of the world had come gradually and then suddenly. My school had been glacially slow in taking action, holding out that our, quote, remote location would spare us. And while it's true that Northfield, Minnesota was carved out of a cornfield, the town has been reachable by cars for some time now. There is no remote location in a plague, which is, after all, the point of a plague. So when the announcement at last came, it came with the subtlety of an eviction notice. First of all, it's great. Light's great. It's really great. It's freaking, it's great writing. This is, I, I don't care if you're a college student or 30 years in the business. It's great. And I love, I'm a sucker for like, you could have easily said your school sent an email to all students on a Tuesday morning and you said at 947 yeah. on a Tuesday morning. Why'd you put 947? Um, honestly, I put 947 because I didn't see it till 11. Cause I was, I, I didn't, I didn't have any classes that morning. So I was sleeping in and I woke up to my roommate furiously packing and I was like, what are you doing? And he said, look at your email. And it was like 1130 at that point. And I, I just, I looked down at my phone. I read the email from my, from our president. And I'm just like, Oh fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just think the time was smart. It was smart. And, um, it, and while it's true, the Northfield of Minnesota was carved out of a cornfield, right? The town has been reachable by cars for some time now. There's something about that, putting that it was carved out of a cornfield that shows that you actually know the, uh, you know the subject, you know something about. This may be dumb. How did you know that Northfield, Minnesota was carved out of a cornfield? Uh, because they're, uh, okay, they're, the town's uh, motto is cows, colleges, and contentment. And the cow is the cows is put first purposefully uh, because yeah I mean it's technically the city of Northfield as much of a city as it is it's twenty thousand people um, uh, spread across a, a, a wide swath of, of farmland and I mean we're basically surrounded by cornfields it's we're surrounded by farmland and I I have honestly been a little bit salty about my college's response to the epidemic because like all the colleges around the, the big university up in uh, Minneapolis closed like a week before our cross town. Uh, there, there are two colleges. Uh, Carlton college is also in, um, is also in Northfield, Minnesota. And they had closed the week before. And our president was just like, you know what? We're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. We have it under control. And everyone except for the administration could easily see, no, you don't have it out of control. So that's, that's also sort of the, uh, the, the uh, Northfield, Minnesota had been accessible by car for some time now. It was a subtle dig at, at them. That's funny. So, you and uh, Liberty University, Jerry Falwell, fighting to the very end to stay open. God, are they still are they still open? Because I, I know, know they reopened. I don't know. Yeah, yeah good times. Um, <laughs> all right, so here was the one. Here was the controversial moment. I don't know if you saw our judges exchange, but here was the con. I watched that for about a minute and I just shut it off. <laughs> okay, I understand. <laughs> you wrote so we have one judge. She's a great food writer named Ann Bird. She's one of the best food writers in the country, and she she rarely curses. And you wrote, "Get the fuck out now." I had nowhere to go. I couldn't go home to New York City. It was full of zombies. No offense, mom and dad. I had no plane ticket, no hotel reservation, not even a tent, nothing. I was stranded. And then an unexpected phone call. Hey, fucker, what's your plan? And she asked. <laughs> All right, now I curse. I probably average 12 to 17 a day, okay? Mm -hmm. I curse nonstop. It's a bad habit. I would say it almost lost you the competition because... <laughs> Anne was not having it. And I, I think there was, a, there was an idea that it was a little gratuitous. I actually have no problem with it. Yeah. I don't know. When you're writing the curse, does it even enter your mind? Uh, maybe I shouldn't do this or no. 
I mean, honestly, it didn't. It, I, 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 had, I read the uh, my final product to my my plague family, and they said maybe you shouldn't put all those curses in there. But I was like, you know, journalism's evolving. They're like more open minded now, and I mean, to an extent, I was right. But like, <laughs> I mean, okay, the 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 get the fuck out now. I put in basically to demonstrate the emergency uh, of of it all. The the yeah and. Direct, the all the other all the other curses were direct quotes. Yeah, right. So, yeah, and I, I was just curious. I was good with yeah. it. I got no yeah. beef. I curse all the time. Um, <laughs> and then an unexpected phone call. Hey, fucker, what you plan? And she asked, uh, Juliana Dokus. Is that how you pronounce it? Dokus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Juliana Dokus. Yeah. Also the subject of my very first piece. Oh, do, do, yeah. did uh, did you pay Dokus? Is Dokus I, receiving? I didn't know. Maybe I should. <laughs> you should give her at least a piece of the $10,000 grand prize you'll be receiving. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. 10000 um, I thought it was $10 million. Oh, well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Juliana Dokus, an obnoxious shut-in and my best friend in the world, was on the line. She had gone home to St. Paul a week earlier. Her parents afraid that she might get sick if she stayed on campus. No clue I responded, breathless from having just done a week's work of pack, worth of packing in a half hour. Well, if you need a place to stay, my parents say we can put you up for a while. I was floored. I had met Paul and Dara Dacus once before, spending just a few hours with them when they had come to campus for the Christmas uh, Fest Choir concert. I didn't know them at all. Uh, yeah, that'd be great, I managed. Well, pack your shit. We're coming to get you, she responded. And just like that, I've been taken in. I mean, it's a really freaking touching piece. It is a really... I got chills. I, I said this in the video that you didn't watch. I, <laughs> the, the end of it, I just, I'm going to skip to the end. You wrote up. Paul, who's her dad, converted his office so I could have my own room. Despite Dora's crippling fear of Dara's crippling fear of fire, I've been trusted enough to use the stove unsupervised. I sit down with them at family dinner every night, enjoying whatever Paul has decided he wants to make. My laundry is mixed in with theirs. The family cat doesn't completely hate me anymore. I've been invited on their annual trip to Florida this January, and has already been decided that they will be getting me both birthday and Christmas presents, whether I like it or not. I'm their plague son, and they're my plague family. And as his experience would define our lives from here on, I will, as long as I, I live, tell the story of the strange time and of the people I spent it with. And when I tell that story, I will end it with this. Always be kind to strangers. Mm-hmm. Freaking mic drop, man. That's a great, <laughs> it gives me chills. It's so well done. It is Thank so you. freaking good. Like, Thank you. I hope you're, you should feel really, did you, I don't know, did you show it to the family before you sent it in? Was there some, how they feel about it? I, I, I showed it to them after I sent it in, um, and uh, well, at least Dara. D- Dara is the one who who read it. Dara is the one who uh, who cared enough to read it. Um, uh, Juliana and Paul are a little bit more apathetic, yes. but uh, yeah, which is which is not a, b- a bad thing by any sense of the right. word. Uh, yeah, but she she said that it uh, it made her a little emotional because uh, I think w- while I've been I- I've been here for a little over two months now. Um, and everything I, everything I wrote in that is true. Um, everything, uh, like the, the being invited to Florida is actually probably going to happen if, if school doesn't reopen, uh, in, in the fall. Um, yeah, they, they, my, my birthday's in October. They're planning on getting me presents. Uh, and she said, uh, she said that it, it, it made her emotional because, uh, I, it, it, it showed that I really enjoyed being here despite their, uh, their, uh, sort of concerns that I was miserable here. So it's, um, it's really interesting. You're a junior, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have two kids. My, my daughter's a junior in high school and 
everyone I talked to is like, well, how are your kids doing? How are the kids doing? How's so-and-so doing? Oh, she's a sophomore in college. How's she doing? How's she doing? It seems like you guys are all handling it relatively well. And, but am I like everyone in this contest who I've talked to about this, I feel horrible for, like, I feel horrible for you. You're missing a chunk of college. Like how you get four years of this place. You're missing a chunk of it. Um, College, summer internships, not, not a good scenario right now. College newspapers, they ended for the year. Um, how are you dealing with it? You know, it's been, it's been rough. Um, to be honest with you, uh, I'm, uh, I'm sort of out of a romantic relationship because of the, uh, the epidemic. Um, I mean, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't think she's going to listen to this. So I think I have a little bit more room to talk about it, but, uh, I, I was, I, I met this girl back in, uh, November. I started talking to her throughout, uh, throughout the, throughout the beginning of the year and, uh, somehow managed to ask, a, uh, to manage the nerve to ask her out in, uh, in March. And she said, yes. Uh, but then we had to flee, uh, and she doesn't want to do long distance. So, um, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm out of a romantic relationship because of this epidemic or pandemic. I, uh, I haven't been home since February. Haven't seen my my family outside of FaceTiming with them. Uh, haven't seen my dog. Haven't seen. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm lucky enough to be living with my best friend, um, but outside of her, I don't really have uh, much social interaction, which can be a little bit tough for me, uh, mental health wise. Um, but um, yeah, I mean ending the uh ending the semester was kind of rough i'm not really looking forward to the summer classes i'm going to be taking um so just kind of handling it as best i can really and i think the big scribble was a part of was a big part of a of a of of me uh it, it was giving me something to do and it was on honestly giving me like a little serotonin boost at the end of the week every time um, and like, it, it, it's kind of amazing. It, 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 you can, my, my parents and, and, uh, my plague parents can, can attest to, uh, how bummed out I was, uh, at, uh, before, uh, Sunday of last week, because I got, you, you guys sent me the review of my, of my Gorbachev, uh, uh, obit. Uh-huh. And it was, it was from the, the, the New York times guest judge and he did not like it he didn't like it at all. And I was like, Oh, well, I guess, I guess this is it. I guess we're done. <laughs> so He was tough. That was Richard Sandomir. And he is, he writes obits for the New York times. He yeah. was no joke. He wasn't, he's a great guy. He was not in on the, you know, they're college students. So let's kind of go a little easier. Yeah. He was not, that was not his bag at all. Yeah. My, yeah. I mean, my, my dad was, uh, I talked to my dad about him. He's a uh, passively familiar with, with, with Richard. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I I'm not gonna lie. For like the hour and a half in between uh, when I got that email and the and the uh, and announcements came, I was just, I was devastated. I was just oh, totally out of it because I was just like, "Damn, all right." I actually liked my my obit, but I guess it wasn't uh wasn't I I, I I I the way I put it to make myself feel better is I wasn't boring enough. <laughs> so I number one liked your your obit. Um, Number two, actually, I wanted to ask you this, so I'm kind of fascinated because I haven't asked so many people this. You had the option. There's four obituary topics, right? Yeah. Jonathan Lipnicki, the kid from Jerry Maguire, who, 
to Hannah Toey's uh, credit and Kaya Hubbard's credit, reached out to him and interviewed with Nikki, which is amazing. Incredible. And they both end up in the top 10, deservedly so. Um, You had former San Diego Padre, Bip Roberts, who the only reason, so I'm trying to think, Jonathan, I picked Mariah Carey and Gorbachev, and I picked Bip Roberts and Lipnicki, only (laughs) because I'd just seen Bip Roberts, some video of him on YouTube and thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. For me, it was a no-brainer. I'm going Lipnicki, easy. Mm -hmm. Gorbachev, the the degree of difficulty I'm writing Mikhail Gorbachev obit compared to a Jonathan Lipnicki obit is, you know, 100 to 2. Why why in the world did you pick uh, Gorbachev? I'm not going to lie. I had no idea who Lipnicki or Bip Roberts was. Um, so, uh, Damn you. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of ruled those two out because, I mean, I, 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 was, I was honestly trying to, I was trying to decide between Bip Roberts and Gorbachev just because I'm a, I'm a sports writer by trade mm-hmm. and a big fan of, uh, of uh, MLB in general. Uh, to, to the chagrin of a lot of your viewers, I, I can happily say I'm a Yankees fan. So, uh, okay. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Um, I chose uh, Gorbachev because as a history major at my college, I actually spent the vast majority of my time uh, uh, with uh, classes in my major. I spent the vast majority of my time studying the Soviet Union. Um, so I, I have a lot, I know a lot about the Soviet Union. I probably know a little bit too much about the Soviet Union for someone who's not going into history. Um, so I felt like I could utilize that, um, that sort of, uh, that, that knowledge to, to help inform my obit. Also, I found the, the Pizza Hut commercial with him in it and I was like, okay, I have to write about him now. And also I just kind of wanted to have Putin push him out a window. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you saw Jerry Maguire though, right? No, I've never seen Jerry Maguire. I know I'm a failure. (laughs) All right, hold on. Here's the deal right now. If you don't watch Jerry Maguire within the next week, we are revoking your, your award. And yeah, right. actually we're just revoking your word. You, that's okay. it. All right. We'll, we'll let that one go for now. That's preposterous. <laughs> um, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want? What's your goal? What's your career goal? Um, you know, man, I, I, just, I love writing about sports so much. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's ever, ever since I started doing it two years ago for my, uh, my, my school newspaper, it, uh, it's just, it's been a dream come true. I've loved every second of it, regardless of what I've been writing about. I mean, I, I think the very first sports piece I wrote as like an official member of the San Olaf staff was a piece shitting on Antonio Brown wow. back when he was like, back when he was just imploding. Um, and it was just, it was the most fun I've ever had ever writing something. And like, whenever I have to write something for, for another reason or another class, I, I'm always thinking like, man, I really wish I could be writing about sports right now. Like I just, I, I adore sports to an extent that might be a little bit unhealthy. Um, as someone who wanted to, and, and I, 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 out of all of that, I adore the NFL uh, most of all. Cause as, as someone, I, you can't really see from this, but I'm a decently big guy. Um, as someone who, I think I'm like, 62250 or something like that as someone who wanted to play football and wasn't allowed to by their parents i've uh i've sort of compensated for that by just an undying affection for the nfl and just wanting to 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 document it and write about it so like 
honestly, I would, I would, I would write anywhere. I, I would go up to Anchorage and or Honolulu or, or I, I don't know, like San, like middle of nowhere Texas to go write about sports. Um, but if I had my druthers, I'd probably work um, maybe at the Athletic or. Uh, uh, ESPN, which uh, I'm I'm in talks to with uh, with Katie Barnes about a possible internship there, and I, I'm I'm so grateful to them for uh, for for helping me through this. Um, one place that I would absolutely adore to uh, to to work would be SB Nation because I've been a I've been a huge fan of their YouTube content for years now. Um, and then I, I, I like the last one that I can think of off the top of my head would probably be Bleacher Report, mm-hmm. um, which would be uh, also a dream come true. And uh, by the way, last summer I was rejected for a Bleacher Report internship. So uh, yeah, just a little bit of salt Damn. there. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> There's always next year. There's always yeah, next exactly. Year. <laughs> also, I just want to say we're tired of the uh, we're tired of all you Saint Olaf journalists taking taking advantage of the Katie Barnes pipeline. I mean, it's just I getting, know, little, I know. getting a little all, all one of you. Um, I just want to say real quick. Here we go. September 26, thousand nineteen. Good riddance, Antonio Brown from mm-hmm. the Manitou Messenger. The lead just two days after being cut by the New England Patriots. Antonio Brown announced on Twitter his intentions to never play, never again play football in the NFL. One has to ask, how the hell did we get here? Nice. And you just, you are no Antonio Brown fan, which is, you know. He's a, uh, I mean, I've, I've never liked the Steelers because my, my dad, I, I've had that drilled into me by my dad, who was a diehard Houston Oilers fan uh, for the longest time. And uh, they would always lose to the Steelers in the playoffs. And I mean, the Steelers are the reason that Warren Moon doesn't have a Super Bowl. So yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. Um, I want to end with this, Zeke. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an issue, you and I, which is this. Okay. For the longest time during this contest, I thought I was misspelling your name, okay? And I was actually trying to apologize to you multiple times for misspelling your name because I kept kept thinking I was screwing up your name because I would spell it W-E-I-G-M-A-N-N. But then I would look at your Twitter feed and it was spelled W-I-G-M-A-M-N. M-N, not N-N. So I said to Jonathan Iger, I was like, we keep fucking up this kid's name and I feel awful because we're a journalism contest and we're screwing up the kid's name. You can't do that as a journalist. And I'm... I keep changing it and it gets changed back. And I, I'm not kidding. I swear to God, I change it. It gets changed back. I look at I, he's spelling with two N's. I'm, and I'm handling the Twitter feed throughout. So I'm looking at your name here on Twitter. And I learned today, and I think you learned today, you had your fucking name misspelled on Twitter the whole time. Yeah, um, about that. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. And then... And then today, wait, when I was texting you last night about it, because I knew you were the winner and I was trying to prepare, I thought maybe you were fucking with me. And I was like, I said to Ike, I said, can we make sure this kid is real? Because I don't know what's going on here. (laughs) And you just had your name misspelled on Twitter, which is the best thing ever. Oh, God. Okay, yeah, I made that Twitter account two years ago and I've, I've never noticed it. It's insane. Like... Like I mean, I was I was I was talking to you the other the other day about how tough spelling my last name was, and I haphazardly haphazardly made a joke about how I can't even spell my last name, and apparently I can. Not. <laughs> it's just like, it's really I mean, awesome. I, honestly, I, for for posterity's sake, I think I might just keep just keep my ad as that. So I think you should. I want to thank today's guest, Zeke Warren Weigman, for joining me on Two Riders Sling and Yang. You can follow Zeke on Twitter at Z Weigman, but that's W-E-I-G-M-A-M-N, because he screwed up his spelling, and read his work in the Manitou Messenger. 
One can listen to Two Riders Singing Yang on pretty much any podcast medium, and reviews are always appreciated. Music is by the dazzling MC Whiteout. Thanks again for joining me, and remember, keep writing.